it's just an entire species of shit posters. Yeah, the aliens are just kind of little pricks. They're little shitheads. Yeah. Like, they feel like ripped straight from the internet. Yeah, Tim Burton had a vision of 4chan <laughs> and was like, yeah, this, this will kind of be what it is. Just a bunch of scrawny nerds and they're with weird. Two big brains. With big brains who don't know what to do that, with yeah, their time. Yeah, that, that use them in like the worst way possible. Yeah. Hello, Mission Recall listeners. I'm Oriana Schwint. And I'm Steve Parkers. And boy, do we have a weird one for you guys today. Uh, we are following up the like extremely sincere, extremely incredible visual effects masterpiece, Jurassic Park, with um, Mars Attacks, <laughs> Tim Burton's 1996 disaster movie, alien movie, subversion of the 1950s B-movie genre, all three? Kind of all three. Yeah, we weren't really sure what movie to do, so we just flipped around and saw what was out there, because after Jurassic Park, it felt like we kind of needed like a come down a, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something and- <laughs> that, that wasn't like near and dear to to anyone. Uh, and like, yeah. I'd like to hear your experience of Mars Attacks because you only saw this when you were a kid, And right? I don't think I... I definitely did not see all of this movie. Oh. Or I don't think I saw all of this movie. I was only like nine when it came out. So it was pretty young. And it was scary. Sure. It was absolutely fucking terrifying. The character design, so upsetting. We'll talk a lot more about that in a second. Um, but yeah, I don't... I remember snippets. I remember like the character design. I do remember the heads. I don't know if that was in a trailer or something and that's where I saw it from because I don't I don't think I saw through to the end of the movie, but I definitely remember the heads. Which heads are you referring uh, to? Oh, that's true. There's a lot of heads. So I definitely remember Pierce Brosnan and Sarah Jessica ah. Parker's disembodied heads. Sure. Uh, I think I even remember them kissing, but yeah, so that was my experience. It was really upsetting, did not care for it. It's interesting to rewatch it with, as an adult and with like actual adult critical faculties. It's debatable, but... That I have critical faculties? Wow. Wow. I'm just doing that 90s humor. That 90s humor. My wife is a bitch. My wife is a bitch and we all hate lawyers because they give our bitch wives our our hard-earned money in the divorce. That is basically, yeah. Shit, that's what it is. Divorce was a big thing in the 80s and 90s, so along with that came lawyers. Lawyers, shit. So all the male comedy writers. Oh my God. And and like, you know, rich male directors yep. and, and writers and studio executives. Yeah, they all, I'm sure they all went through at least one divorce mm-hmm. and they all hated that their bitch wives got some money. Sure. We <gasps> wow. solved it. Oh God. Well, I'm glad we're kicking it off uh, with... <laughs> Figuring out that weird 90s phenomenon of fucking lawyers and fucking fucking ex-wives. My experience as a kid was kind of similar to yours, but I remember it a little more clearly. So I was 11 when this came out, and I was so excited for it. 
Why were you so excited for it? Well, I liked alien movies. It okay. looked cool. Yeah. Um, but also I was weirdly excited about the cast. <laughs> Tell me you were a film guy without telling me you were a film guy. What's, even even at 11. Yeah. What's funny is I didn't like identify as a film guy at that point, but clearly I had- It was in had, your heart. Yeah. It was <laughs> somewhere deep inside because I remember being- so excited about like weirdly Michael J. Fox being. Oh in well, it. that was. I mean, you know, ninety six was like it was Spin City was still going. Sure. I want to say sure. it's just like I did watch a lot of Spin City. Loved Spin City, but it was more than just Michael J. Fox. There was Jack Nicholson and Danny DeVito and just all these kind of weird, funky nineties actors who I I was really excited about. And then I remember watching the movie. I think. I don't think I saw it in the theater. I think I saw it on home video and being really like deeply upset, less about the aliens and more about how all my favorites were getting killed, killed. off just ruthlessly. Oh, so, so badly. I mean, so, Michael J. Fox bites it 40 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Oh, I guess. yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the first one where I was just like, wait, what? No. What's happening? Not... Not Mike. That's so upsetting. Um, and, you know, for an 11-year-old just being like, but he's the star he's of the, the movie. Yeah, how can you do this? Yeah, that's like, that was our Game of Thrones. That was our Red Wedding. It was, yeah. So, yeah, that first scene in the desert kind of was a whole reset for me of like, wait, this is not the movie I thought it was. I thought this was going to be a fun, like, kids' alien cartoon mm -hmm. kind of movie. Yeah. Which, in a lot of ways, it is. It is, because the aliens are so cartoony. Yeah. It is a cartoon. It's just a cartoon by Tim, Tim Burton. Tim Burton. And not, not the fun little Nightmare Before Christmas no. type. No, it's it's a fascinating blend of kind of peak Tim Burton and the early days of CGI mm. and just this weird fascination with alien invasions that happened in the 90s. And just like we said, a stacked cast. It's a fascinating, strange, kind of almost a series of skits yeah. of a movie. Yeah, there, there's just these, yeah, things just kind of happen. Yeah. There's no true rhyme or reason. But I will say, like, as upsetting as the character designs are visually, the design of the aliens mentally, <laughs> character-wise, like, is great. Yeah. It's just an entire species of shit posters. Yeah, the aliens are just kind of little pricks. They're little shitheads. Yeah. Like, they feel like ripped straight from the internet. Yeah, Tim Burton had a vision of 4chan <laughs> and was like, yeah, this, this will kind of be what it is. Just a bunch of scrawny nerds and their with weird... With big brains. With big brains who don't know what to do that, with yeah, their time. Yeah, that, that use them in like the worst way possible. Yeah. I'm not going to really do a full plot breakdown because... there isn't much. It's just the Martians invade and they're defeated by that song. Yeah, that sort of... Uh, 50s it's a, crooner. It's like a 50s yodeling crooner. Yeah. Uh, kind of sounds like something uh, that like one of the Soggy Bottom Boys would sing. <laughs> it's like Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. Except it's not him. I don't know who it is. We didn't bother to look it up. I guess we could if we, we really could. You, you can, I guess, if you want to do that. But yeah, that's, that's kind of the whole plot. And then just a bunch of hijinks ensue. I just kind of want to go through, if you've forgotten how many people are in this movie, it's like Tim Burton pulled in every favor he had for this <laughs> strange, misbegotten film that, like, I don't think it was a flop, but it was not, like, a runaway success. It didn't do amazing. And it's wild because, like we said, 
Jack Nicholson, Michael J. Fox, uh, Jim Brown. Who is great in really this. Good in He's it. so good in this. Martin Short, Pierce Brosnan, like... Sarah Jessica Parker. Lucas Haas. Natalie, Jack Black. Natalie Portman, Jack Black. Uh, looking fit, by the way. He looks great. He looks amazing. We both had this moment while watching this where we were like, just want Jack Black to give me a hug. Yeah, not not Mars Attacks Jack Black, who's very, like, in as in shape as I think he'd ever been. Yeah. I want, like, current era, 2022 Jack mm-hmm. Black to just give me a hug. Like, a nice long hug. I feel like that would be very nice. I feel like he's very good at that. Super good very at Very good at hugging. Jack Black. Call us. Yeah, just a hug, man. We'll come out to your place, or we can meet you somewhere. We can meet you at, like, the coffee bean or something. We just want a hug. <laughs> Jesus, that sounds weird. No, it's fine. In hindsight. It's fine. Hey, I did meet him once. No kidding. For an autograph. Uh, and, like, in an autograph line before Tenacious D show. Aw, that's sweet. A funny that story. Uh, I was with a group of friends, and one of these guys, who is not my friend, by the way. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, he okay. was, like, one of my friend's older brothers. Uh, yeah. He lifted up his shirt and asked Jack Black to sign his stomach. And you could see the light go out of Jack oh, Black's eyes. No. And I remember feeling, I was after this guy. So oh, no. Ah. I, I remember just feeling deep shame, even though Jack Black didn't know that we knew each other. I just, secondhand shame Sh- yeah. and embarrassment oh, yeah. of like, God, I'm associated with this fucking guy. Even just by being behind him. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're not going to get the full experience. No, Jack Black just checked out. Like, yeah. he's not interested I, anymore. I would too. Yeah, he's in the shithole town in Maine, oh. signing autographs before going to the Is shithole it? Cumberland County Civic oh, Center. Oh no! I'm amazed they played, was this like really early on or something in the it Tenacious was like, D? No, it was sort of peak Tenacious D. They opened for Weezer. Yeah, it was actually a great show. They, this wasn't in like Bangor or something? No, this, like, was in, this was in Portland. Oh, okay, okay. This was the good. Okay. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that makes town. sense. Okay. I thought that this was in like the middle of nowhere, oh, God, Maine. No. I was like, goes. what? No, nobody goes to the middle of nowhere, Maine. Okay. Uh, no, no. This was down in Portland. Uh, we took a day off of school and, and drove down. Ooh. We uh, played a little hooky. Oh, goodness. So that was fun. Oh. Yeah, that fucking guy lifting up his shirt. Jesus Christ. Act like you've been here. Right? Like, come on, man. Get Sign a poster or a CD or something. Right? Don't be weird. Let's get the Martians down here yeah. so they can get rid of that guy. Oh, that'd be great. Um, so I feel like we're... We're, we've kinda, drifted a little bit. We've drifted a little bit, but like, uh, That he's was our great. Jack Black corner. <laughs> <laughs> we love Jack Black. Mars Attacks was a, a disappointment box office wise. Yeah. Um, and it is funny, like, the cast is so stacked, and I'm wondering if it's because Tim Burton was like, you won't have to do much. Right? Because it like everyone was there for like a couple a of couple days. A couple scenes. They yeah. only, every, like, most people only had a few scenes. Glenn Close only has a couple scenes. Danny DeVito only has like two scenes. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan, I'm sure, was like, "Yeah, I'll I'll be a guy who like ends up as a head." It's funny because he was doing James Bond at the time. Yeah, uh, but I I like to think that like he was getting James Bond money and then was like, uh, "Yeah, I'll do a weird thing." Right. That sounds fun. And I think a lot of it probably has to do with. I'm assuming Tim Burton kind of did a sales pitch of of appealing to just their love of Hollywood because this was shortly after Tim Burton did Ed Wood, arguably mm. his best film. Which I still haven't seen and somehow. I'm sure people would debate me on that, uh, but you're all incorrect. It is his best film. Uh, but this one, 
is it's not his best film, but no. it is still like fun and interesting. Yeah, that's the thing. It's the last Tim Burton movie I remember that was weird in a really cool way. I know Sleepy Hollow came out after this, and it yeah. also has some weird elements that are cool. Yeah, uh, but it is much more toned down. <laughs> well, and I feel like a. The prevailing narrative is that this was the beginning of the end for Tim Burton, kind of as like a powerhouse director. And I guess box office wise, that is technically true. But I think this is a a really interesting, creative, fun movie. And, you know, obviously the aliens, you can tell they're CGI. There are some effects that are, are a little janky. But I think the film deserves a lot of credit for kind of doing something that Jar Jar Binks hadn't come out yet, Gollum hadn't come out yet, like fully CGI characters who are walking around in the world and interacting in the world hadn't really been a thing. I mean, there's stuff like Jurassic Park and Terminator 2. But that's a smaller scale than like lots and lots of these little guys running around. Yeah, lots of these little guys. And, you know, you could use animatronics. You had Robert Pattinson. Like you had other ways to shoot those other films where like CGI added to it, but Mm. that was not the full character. Whereas here, it's all relying on, on the computer. Did you mean Robert Patrick? What did I say? Robert Pattinson. You know, they kind of look alike. Like young Robert Patrick kind of looks like Robert Pattinson. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I meant Robert Patrick. <laughs> I think it's because we've been watching that Caravan of Garbage on uh, yeah. Twilight. Yeah. Um, that's a good YouTube. Shout out. Series. Shout out to Mr. Sure Sunday Movie. They they need our, our bump. Yeah, we'll, we'll you know. give them that, that little uh, Mission Recall bump. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, they've been, they've been doing a... The Twilight movies, which I've never actually seen. So this has been a fun way to watch them without watching them. I did see three of the Twilight movies. I remember seeing the trailer for the first Twilight movie and thinking it was a joke. No, no. (laughs) Like, unironically, I I thought, like, it was either a joke joke movie or like a fake movie that was some sort of like ad for a cell phone or something yeah an ad for something an ad for like mountain dew or something Mm. Uh, and then finding out it was real and being like what and then it was a huge a huge phenomenon and i was still it took me a while to catch up but like oh this is from a book like this has a (laughs) built-in fan base see i was not i was was, out of it (laughs) Because I was interning at EW when it was like peak Twilight mania, oh. that I was just like I could I could not get away from the the Twihards as Ugh. they were they were yeah, called. I have heard that. Yeah, but Mars attacks. Yeah, why do we keep doing this? <laughs> I keep. Doing I, I think this. it's because it's. It's a really interesting movie, but it's kind of hard to know how to talk about it. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of really interesting things, but it's but how do how do you attack Mars attacks? Well, one thing we were kind of trying to parse while we were watching this movie was what are the politics of Mars Attacks? This is, you know, 1996, so you got Clinton in the White mm-hmm. House, you're not that far removed from Reagan and Bush. It kind of is all over the place. I don't know if there is like a coherent political statement being made here. No. It was based on these trading cards. And I didn't realize how old the trading cards were. 1962. Hmm. So peak Cold War. Sure. Which dovetails nicely with the 1950s, you know, sort of Soviet 
the red scare type shit, which informs so much of the alien, I don't know, mythology. Yeah. I mean, I did a whole like uh, weird little thesis on this in high school. Yeah. So Mars Attacks is clearly playing on 1950s alien invasion movies, which were a mix of red scare and nuclear fears, Mm. just like the Russians invading. Yeah. Uh, So this is clearly playing on like Forbidden Planet and The Day the Earth Stood Still and This Island Earth and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and kind of even like some Rod Serling, uh, Mm -hmm. Twilight Zone kind of stuff. And obviously the Danny Elfman score that utilizes the theremin Mm -hmm. and all this sort of you know that classic like whirring mm-hmm. ufo like the Ooh. it's actual uh, flying saucers yeah. it's very much built to look like a, a 50s b movie and i think it succeeds yeah in, in that a lot works of ways. that really works to its credit because yeah. your mind automatically goes okay your mind knows what to expect and integrates these you know kind of occasionally janky looking effects and it's not jarring yeah for the most part yeah and sort of the the janky effects, I, I'm sure it's not really intentional because I think they were trying their best to make the aliens look good. And they do yeah, look they, good. The aliens on their own look, look good. good. I think it's okay for them to be a little janky because in the 50s, all the aliens mm-hmm. were just some guy in, in a, a suit. suit. There's one movie. Oh, God. I'm, oh, it's it's uh, one of the Ed Wood movies. Plan 9. Yeah, it's, it's Plan 9 where they just put like <laughs> some coats on German shepherds. What? Like blankets uh, and said they were aliens. No. Yeah, I, I'm 90% sure Aww. that was Plan 9. It might have been one of his other ones. Clearly, Tim Burton, obviously an Ed Wood fan, yeah. is drawing inspiration from like, yeah, the aliens can look a little weird and goofy. Mm-hmm. That's sort of in keeping with the whole aesthetic. Yeah. Uh, so it works. And I think like it's playing on that 1950s style while doing this sort of 90s nihilism. Yeah. A lot of, it feels extremely nihilistic. Yeah. The peaceniks are all wrong. But what's fascinating there is the peaceniks are wrong, but so, so are, the, are the warhawks. Yeah. Like, cause that's the way you feel like it's going is, oh, this general who wants to nuke them immediately. Like he keeps getting shut down. They keep trying to stop him. And then finally, after a all hell is broken loose. He gets his way mm-hmm. and he gets to nuke the aliens. <laughs> and it seems like, oh, so he was right he was this right, whole time. But... And then nothing happens. Like the nuke is sucked up into a weird balloon. <laughs> they and use it's... it as helium, yeah. which is like a really lovely, lovely. It's just funny. Yeah. It's funny. And like, it's a thing that I would never have thought of. It's a like, fun little shit post. Yeah, that it is. Do. So that's where the nihilism comes in. It's like, this isn't like, a Warhawk movie, it's not really like, you know, a peace and understanding movie. It's no. not, it seems to kind of vaguely be this maybe kind of libertarian, like the government doesn't work yeah. sort of thing. But that was also very much just the vibe in the 90s. Yeah. is you know, keep the government out of everything. Yeah. The general gets shrunken down by a shrink ray and and crushed (laughs) under the boot of the aliens. So make of it what you will. Like you can kind of draw whatever conclusion you want. It's, it's art that kills the aliens. It's music. It is. It's music. Yeah. That's, 
But even that isn't really treated as some sort of message. No, like, it isn't at all. And I that's what I like about it yeah. is, is it's very just like this and this and then this happened. It's kind of refreshing because I always feel like, especially these days, I'm always looking for the politics of a thing, yeah. whether I, I like I the thing. Yeah, whether I like the thing or I hate the thing, everything is politics these days. So I'm constantly just sort of scanning a thing for like, what is this thing saying? What is it? Is this is this about fascism? Right. Is this about fighting is it about fascism? Neoliberalism? Is it about like oh the damn commies or right. oh the damn capitalists? And this one is just like is some shit happens. I don't know. Everyone's kind of an idiot. And then we make the aliens' brains explode with music because we need the movie to end. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no real message there other than like oh we got to wrap this thing up. Basically. And that's, that is fun. Like normally I'm, you know, these days I'm a little allergic to nihilism, but I can fuck with this. Well, it's like a nineties nihilism where the prevailing wisdom was that things were going pretty well for America. There was a feeling, even if it wasn't really true, that was everywhere in, in pop culture. And you had all this art that was like, but why do we feel so empty? Yeah. Which We'll get to at some point our 1999 every something is wrong series of movies. Yeah, I don't know how we'll do that because those aren't all action movies. They're not. I don't know. Maybe it'll be an expansion yeah. pack thing because I we think also, it's worth unpacking. It's absolutely worth unpacking because uh, we did do The Matrix, which is one of those movies. Mm-hmm. But there are three more, at least in my mind, that yeah. fit that. Bill. Fight Club counts as an oh yeah, we can do Fight movie. Club. But then it's American Beauty and Office Space are the which other are two. Which are not exactly. Not really. But, but I think we can talk about them maybe yeah. when we do Fight Club. Because, yeah, everyone, there was just a vague sense of things not being quite right. And I think maybe Mars Attacks is kind of commenting on that. But I also don't think it's commenting on anything. But at the same time, no. Yeah, it is. Like, we can view it through that lens if we want to. But I don't think the intent yeah. was that. It is interesting, given 90s nihilism and... And, and whatnot, that this came out, it was this Independence Day came out the same year. Men in Black was the year after. So we've got this like trio of alien invasion movies that all have a very different vibe. Men in Black and Mars Attacks are a little closer in vibe, but Men in Black, it's kind of an oddly sweeter movie. Not oddly, it is. It's, it's a, sweet. It's a, it's it's a much of... sweeter movie that actually has something to say about... Immigration. Immigration. And... Well, and like the beauty of continuing being human amidst you know this very large universe and that's kind of nice yeah like we're all people in a weird yeah we're we're all just trying to get we're all just trying to get through the day we're all just trying to keep things running yeah there's something sort of nice about men in black and this is sort of the flip of that where you've got the danny elfman score you've got it's bright yeah. and colorful and goofy the the designs are silly at surface level It's similar to Men in Black, but it's very different just in its whole vibe. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, it's got this mean streak to it. It is. And Independence Day is like all sincerity. Classic Roland Emmerich. Like one thing I genuinely love about Roland Emmerich, uh, whether his movies are good or awful. (laughs) We haven't seen Moonfall, by the way. I don't think we will. Oh, I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it at some point. Okay. It's not going to be good, but like you 
can't say the man is insincere. He is sincere to a fault, and Independence Day might be the most sincere film of all time. Yeah. And yeah, that's painfully nice. at some points. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. You have these three very interesting... They're all tackling this issue in a very different way, on different scales. Yeah. What was interesting about Mars Attacks was that the action is mostly limited to DC and Vegas. Yeah. Which is... Steve, as you pointed out... What did I point out? That they're, like, the two most American places you can possibly have. Like, D.C. is this nexus of American hegemony, and Vegas is a symbol of all the excess of like of America. American capitalism mm-hmm. and greed and tackiness. Just and off, just... Gaudy, gaudy gross, nasty... Crimes against nature. Yeah, you know, truly. This, Las Vegas shouldn't exist. Las Vegas should not be there. A, a, truly a blight on this earth. Yeah. Um, sorry to the city of Las Vegas. I'm not sorry. Fuck Las Vegas. That's true. Fuck everyone in it. If you chose to live in Las Vegas... You're a bad person, you doing, man? and you should feel bad. Uh, if you didn't choose to live there, I hope you get a choice... And I hope you get to move to yeah. a place that isn't an environmental catastrophe. Just a nightmare. If the movie is saying anything, which again, I don't really think it is. I think those were both just like, obviously, Washington, D.C. makes sense. And then, yeah. I don't know, Vegas, it's bright and colorful. Yeah. But like, if you want to draw your own conclusions, that's maybe the strongest thing the movie could be argued to be saying is like, these are sort of you know, hell mouths of America yeah. where, yeah, our culture and our government and our military industrial complex, like they both spring forth from these two awful cores yeah. of rot. Yeah. And the aliens might be right to, uh, to, to get rid of it. Oh, and then it. there's, you know, nowhere Kansas, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's Kansas, which again, so that's kind of where we're rescued is kind of out in yeah. good old, you know, you know, it's real a, it's, America. it's a non-military, like the kid who does not want to go into the yeah. military yeah. is the, is the savior. That is oddly nice for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Given, given the like shit posting mentality of it, of it all. Yeah. The kid played by Lucas Haas who works at a, it's Randy's donuts, but it's not, but in, Can- but in nowhere, in Kansas, Kansas. Yeah. What's weird is it feels like a lot of his stuff got cut. It yeah. feels like there's a lot of scenes missing with him. Like he was meant to be more of the central character of the film yeah. and then that all got edited out either through studio notes or maybe they thought it was too similar to Independence Day. That might, because that also has, you know, the kid, from I don't know if it's Kansas, but it's somewhere vaguely Midwest. Yeah, you've got Randy Quaid flying into the aliens, so it's the good that old is boys funny again. That it's it's Randy Quaid in Independence Day, and then Dennis Quaid in Day After Tomorrow. A lot of days. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Emmerich just keeps up with the Quaids. <laughs> Keeping up with the Quaids is Jack in Moonfall. There's um, another one. Uh, he's the son. He's oh. Dennis Quaid's son. Jesus, I didn't. I didn't. Know he's that. in. He's the boys' guy. Oh, yeah. Oh shit. Well, look, nepotism is bad, but I actually really like Jack Quaid in the boys. He is actually like very good. Yeah. A plus Jack. Good job, man. I don't know. You've you've got your own thing going. You're not doing like a, a Scott Eastwood thing, so that's nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Mars Attacks. I don't know if there was enough time to edit the movie. But so Independence Day came out like on Independence Day, yes, right? Yes. Uh, so Mars Attacks was December twelfth. So oh, wow. I don't know if they would have had time to do that. Yeah, they would have. Yeah. I mean, if it came out in July and it didn't 
come out, uh, Mars Attacks didn't come out till December. They could have, I don't know if they necessarily have time for like any reshoots. Maybe that was the problem. Yeah. They didn't have time for reshoots, but they were like, well, eh. Kind of focus more on Jack Nicholson. Yeah. And I could also see something like them bringing uh, Jack Nicholson in to do his other character, the weird Vegas like casino. Hotel guy. Hotel guy. That felt weirdly tacked on and, and unnecessary. Yeah, that was one where I was like, I don't why fully understand why this is happening. Yeah. Did Tim Burton have a bad time at a Vegas hotel? I could absolutely see that. So yeah, it, it does feel like there was either a more sincere movie in here somewhere or just a movie that focused on, on different characters and then they needed to differentiate themselves from Independence Day. And the way to do that was to just goof it up a bit, like make it Make it extra silly. Yeah. I have no idea if that's true. Obviously, this was always meant to be a 50s spoof, like a 50s alien invasion Mm -hmm. spoof. So I don't think they like totally retooled it, but it does feel like they at least refocused it a bit on on some other characters. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Who's to say? We We don't don't know because we, we watched it on Netflix and there's no special features, although it's about to leave Netflix too. It'll probably be gone by the time this goes up. It will. That's a shame. Maybe it'll it'll be HBO Max. It's a Warner Brothers uh, picture, so maybe it'll find its way there. Yeah. Maybe it's reverting back to them or maybe it'll be on Prime or fucking Peacock. Who knows? Who who can tell? Who knows? I feel like we both went into this a little reticent. Yeah. I I had a little trepidation. We both want to do movies we like. Yeah. You know, we we don't want this to be like a negative uh, sort of cinema sins kind of Oh, God, no. There's just enough of that. There's enough. And so it was a little bit like, well, you know, I kind of liked this as a kid, but I was sort of ambivalent, what with all the death. Yeah. And I was just freaked out by it. Yeah. And uh, it was nice to overall be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Like, I thought it was pretty fun it holds together remarkably well for just being a bunch of weird shit that happens it does. like it keeps you entertained it's only like an hour 45 yeah pretty solid that's good yeah i did want to give a shout out to lisa marie who plays uh the alien in disguise as this sort of tall voluptuous beehive beehive hair, hair woman she popped up in a ton of tim burton movies in the 90s mm-hmm. and she nails it, man. Like, it's the best special effect in the movie. It's creepy. It's so creepy. She's So she kind of seduces Martin Short's character to get into the White House to attack the president. They've clearly got her on some sort of platform and are pulling her along, mm. sort of like that Spike Lee uh, shot that he always does in every movie. And so she's got this swishing sachet kind of... Motion. Motion. It's not yeah. even a gait. It's just her yeah. motion. And it's really effective and, and creepy. And she gets into the White House. Martin Short turns his back on her. And in that moment, she does this little creep up to him. Yeah. That is as scary as anything in a horror movie. It's very, it's so, like, this totally could have been a horror movie. If oh, yeah. Had, like, just a couple little tweaks. Yeah. But I really, really enjoyed her. I remember being very scared and a little weirdly aroused as... <laughs> As there an 11-year-old. You're like, what's happening? Yeah. What are these feelings? Like, I don't know what to do with this information <laughs> that is being presented to me. Too many conflicting signals yeah. in my nervous system. Yeah. So I think that's why this movie left such an impact <laughs> on me is partly her, but also just everything in this movie sends conflicting signals. Like, it's so weird. It's a big, dumb, you know, kind of cartoony Comedic action, action comedic 
star-studded alien invasion romp that is also deeply violent and cruel and mean. Yeah. And weird, like genuinely creepy at parts. And that's a hell of a mix. I I haven't seen a movie like Mars Attacks in a long time. Like it's, it's... Yeah. Almost more John Waters than it is Tim Burton. I'm not going to say Mars Attacks is a favorite movie or one that I even really plan on (laughs) rewatching. I'm oddly glad it exists and I wish that we had more extremely weird. Like this for me, okay, there's like this, there's the fifth element, which is also really weird. More of that. I miss that. I miss just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what is happening? Why is it happening? Just to have a big budget movie come out where you do not know what to expect. Yeah. It's weird in a way where I feel like current blockbuster movies try to be weird, but they're always just really toned down and it's always Mm -hmm. got some commentary happening where somebody has to be the audience surrogate and be like, oh boy, you get a load of this. Well, that just happened. That kind of attitude. I think of like the Doctor Strange movies where you do actually get some weird visuals. Yeah. But then you've got like Benedict Cumberbatch being this sort of snarky like, oh, brother, this sure is wacky. (laughs) It's like, we don't need the commentary. And this doesn't have any commentary. It's It's just... Oops, all Oops, fucking all. <laughs> bizarre shit. Like Sarah Jessica Parker on the head of a chihuahua? Sure, and why not? And no one really, com- like, it's not commented on in any way. Yeah. No one goes, this is weird. The two characters, like, really embrace their new forms, I guess. Like, you know, Pierce Brosnan is just like, I wish I could hold you in my arms. Yeah. Like, it is, again, oddly sweet for such a, like mean shit posty movie it's those conflicting elements they do again. get to kiss at the they end do get to too it is like a, it's a nice send-off but yeah all these conflicting elements of like weird and sweet and oddly touching and then just absolutely not viciously nihilistic and mean <laughs> and like it all exists simultaneously and it's a sort of a wonder that it happened it's yeah i don't know if i'd call it a misfire or just a weird fluke but even by Tim Burton's standards, there's a lot going on here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's he knows how to put together a cohesive movie, yeah. like tone-wise. So it's not even that this really, really weird mix of tones is bad. It's just odd. Something that this movie really doesn't have a lot of is character arcs. Yeah, it's, you know, I guess you don't have to have them if you don't want to. Usually you do. Usually, <laughs> Usually at least one person and grows and changes somehow. Right. And pretty much everybody here is the person they were at the right? start of the film. They're, it's the same as who they are at the end. Yeah, like, like Jim Jim Brown is a divorced dad who wants to go. He's in Vegas. He wants to visit his kids and reunite with his wife in D.C. And that's just who he is the entire movie. He's just trying to get back to D.C. And then, and then he does by the end. Yeah. Again, it seems like maybe Lucas Haas was supposed to do something but he maybe there was some version of the script where he was a pacifist who learns to fight the aliens in, or his, own in his own way. way but it's just like yeah he's just sort of he uh, loves his grandma and yeah. he gets his grandma he rescues grandma and then they just happen to find out what kills the aliens <laughs> and then they do it and that's it that's it natalie yeah. portman is surly and bored throughout the movie and and then i guess that, she's president right i don't think that's <laughs> Un- how the line of succession works I, th- I think i think that was explicitly how it's 
not supposed to work in the they United States. They did blow States. up Congress, though, so who's There's left? usually a designated survivor, though. It's Kiefer Sutherland. Always. Where'd he, where'd he go? You could have gotten Who him. cares that he's Canadian? It's fine. I mean, why not put Kiefer Sutherland in this movie? Everyone else is in it. I don't know. Why not try Kiefer Sutherland as president? You can give it a shot. But yeah, uh, Jim Brown's sons, it's less of an arc and more of just like satisfying setup and payoff yeah. where they are these kind of hooky playing, you know, tweens who like to shoot aliens in the arcade. Yeah. And then they shoot real aliens at the White House. Ha 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 ha. That's, it's actually a really great moment. I love that moment. It's a nice I like those moment. kids and wish they had had more to do. They were really great. They were good. I mean, Pam Greer is in there. That's uh, Jim Brown's She's ex-wife. Great. She's a bus driver in, in D.C. And like along with Lucas Haas, you could have had Pam Greer and Jim Brown sort of anchor the movie. Like yeah. there's a lot of different elements. Something you have to give Roland Emmerich credit for is he's able to balance those huge casts. What are you making a face about? One of the boys, one of the sons is Ray J. What? (laughs) Well, good for him. (laughs) That's so weird. That's very strange. Wow. Anyway, Brandon Hammond and Ray J Hmm. as the boys. That's fun. They're so good. What was I saying? Oh, uh, one thing that Tim Burton maybe can't do that well is manage uh, a big ensemble cast in the same way that Emmerich can. Oh, yeah, true. You know, where somehow even in Emmerich's worst movies, you tend to have a good sense of the characters and who they are and how they have to change. Uh, 2012 is a great example where everybody kind of has a little mini arc. They have a little redemption arc. It's not usually huge. It's not huge. It's very straightforward. Uh, but it is there and mm-hmm. they all it's fairly competent screenwriting in that like yeah here's this guy here's his problem and it has to be fixed by the end and it is and that's fun the script maybe could have used emmerich to take a look at it yeah i don't know if he and tim burton talk i'm assuming they do because everyone knows yeah. each other yeah come on so i kind of feel like this is one of my favorites that we've done not in like it's one of my favorite movies. Like you said, I have no real desire to go back and rewatch this, right. but I'm glad it's out there and it was fun to revisit it because yeah. it's sort of this, it was always just taking up a tiny part of my brain. <laughs> like, is this, is this good? Is this like, what, what is, is this? this? Definitely gave me nightmares sure. as a kid and hopefully I won't have any nightmares tonight, Oh no! but uh, you never know. It confounded me as a kid in a way that few other movies ever have and I can see why. Like going back and rewatching it, you know, sometimes you rewatch something and you're like, you were just an idiot kid. And this yeah. is like, no, I can see why this would upset a child. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not quite Event Horizon. I mean, I was about the same age when I watched Event Horizon yeah. and that didn't bother me nearly as much mm-hmm. as this. Like because Event... I think because Event Horizon is not actually all that scary. Not only is it not that scary, but it also is advertised as a horror film yeah. like you you have you're, an expectation you're prepared, yeah yeah whereas with this i was prepared for sort of a funny hijinks. comedy hijinks you know almost I, like naked gun yeah. type yeah like oh a, sat- a satire yeah and like it is a funny movie there's a lot it of is, funny it elements. is satire yeah but like there are also really scary parts or like not even scary upsetting. just just upsetting. upsetting yeah yeah that's a that's nice cool. twist. Yeah. It's nice to go back and rewatch this and see that my fears and confusion were all correct. founded. <laughs> um, and I feel like I have a new appreciation for this. Yeah, film. me too. Well, well done, everyone. Yeah. Good job, Tim Burton. You know, he had a run there. 
He did. The 90s were a good decade for Tim Burton movies. Oh, my God. Batman Returns. Ed Wood, Edward Scissorhands, Nightmare Before Christmas. He didn't direct that, but like clearly he was involved. Fingerprints are all over Literally. I like Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow. I do remember like seeing the Planet of the Apes remake in theaters and being like, oh, (laughs) shit. And that to me is where he really like things went wrong. Yeah. And it's a shame. He was a fun weirdo there for a while. Yeah. We are sorely lacking in fun weirdos. Fun weirdos, not creepy weird. Enough with the creepy weirdos. I'm tired of it. Oh, that's Putting one, my foot down. That's something we didn't mention. All the, uh, all oh, the Martians yeah. are just weird little perverts. They're so... Yeah, they're not just shit posters. They're like gross little weirdos. Yeah. They're such perverts. Like they're people. They're horny. Toms. Yeah. Yeah. They love Playboy. Yeah. They're it's just bad. they're just creepy little pervs. He really did predict like 4chan. Yeah, it's nothing is new under the sun. <laughs> uh yeah, so on that note. Yeah, we'll see you for the next one. Bye. 